1: This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Well, joining me this week on Last Drinks Podcast is our first international guest. Yes, we have already hit an international audience, Sabrina Black. She's a wellbeing professional coach and a newbie entrepreneur with a passion for empowering individuals to live happy, healthy lives. She earned a degree in journalism from the University of Oregon, and she has studied publishing in New York City, going on to work in publishing and marketing before eventually finding her calling in fitness, health, and wellness. And she is 12 months sober. Sabrina navigated a divorce during the beginning stages of her sobriety journey, and she has some solid truths to share on the podcast. Her story has also been shared on the Hello Sunday Morning platform, and she joins me from her home in the US of A. Enjoy Last Drinks with Sabrina Black.
0: And we are rolling. Sabrina, tell me about your last drink maybe the sad but not surprising thing is that I don't remember it very well. And it's interesting because I think about especially the the last, oh, I don't know, month leading up to when I was finally able to stay sober. And it, it was a really messy time in my life. And so I was doing a lot of journaling. And it's really interesting to go back to it was the night before I got sober. And All it is is just a few lines of, I'm really sad. I'm such a mess. I can't even write right now. And that was the last thing that I had written down before I I went sober. And I look back in the days before that, and it was a lot of the same thing. And the the handwriting is all over the place, and it's just a mess. And I thought, wow, that was a really dark time. The day that you had
1: that last drink around that season – did you intentionally go I'm going to get sober tomorrow. This is the last hurrah or was it something that you did the next day you were like I think I'm done here?
0: It was a little bit of both. Now to be honest, by the time I was actually like I'm I'm done, like this is this is the last of it. I'm very much uh okay, one last hurrah kind of girl and so, you know, <laughs> it's like okay, I think I can have one more drink before I go to bed. Nope, I have time for even one more. And it just, it kind of kept building like that. But I had been trying to go sober for a long time. And so I would have like these nights where I'm like, yep, it's the last hurrah. And then the next day I would be, oh my God, this hurts so bad. And this is just such a terrible feeling. And I, I can't deal with this. And I would start all over again.
1: The whole vicious cycle of... I remember waking up and going one morning, this was like maybe a couple of years before I came to sobriety even, but I I, I remember waking up and going, I'm so hungover. I don't think I can ever drink again. And literally by 1 PM, I had a Corona in my hand. (laughs) Like it just, you know, you feel so bad physically, emotionally, your, your mental state is so depleted yet. I didn't have the resources available or, or I guess like the urgency to do anything other than what I already knew. And so that is where that vicious cycle starts and is so difficult to get off. Can you talk me through the
0: next few days
1: of, I guess, getting sober?
0: I mean, it was hard. I don't remember so much craving... Like sugar or anything like that. But just to kind of provide some context, I had just recently moved out of my home with my husband. I was going through a divorce. I was living with um, my dad and my stepmom on their property. They had set up a camp trailer for me, and everybody in my life is a drinker. And it's not like, oh, you know, everybody's drinking hard alcohol or like all these things. It's like, no everybody was a beer drinker and it wasn't like craft beer or anything like that it was just hey you know here's some coors lights here's some light beers it's you know and so you start early drink for many many hours every day and it was never really seen as being like a thing because it wasn't like oh you know everybody's getting really messed up and starting fights or being you know, any of these things, it was just very normalized. But because I was living in that environment, where there was drinking every day, it was just, it was so hard, because I was used to taking part in that. And it was part of like the social time. And when I stopped, I had to kind of explain why. And somehow, you know, not only Kind of stick to my guns and stay sober but do that while not being the person who's like hey please don't drink around me it really makes this so much harder for me and so i just had to kind of cope with that on top of everything else and so uh i think once i got through like the first week it it got a little bit easier it was still so messy and um it, now to be fair My family was very supportive of it. Like they weren't saying, oh, hey, no, it's fine. You don't have a problem. It's fine. Like once I made that decision, they were pretty good about it, but it was still, you know, hey, on the weekend, it's 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. We have the weekend. We're out working on the property. We're just going to, you know, start drinking now. And it was just very normalized. So
1: I think so many people find themselves in this situation where they're like, but it's so normal. And it's not necessarily – under this umbrella of problematic or rock bottom or waking up in gutters of vomit. And, like, for, for a lot of people, culturally we've normalised alcohol consumption at everything, birthdays, weddings, funerals, Saturday, Friday afternoon, Monday night, right? Is that how you feel right. you slipped into
0: its grip? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I had a lot of the same attitude that most people have where my experience wasn't, you know, I'm waking up and taking a swig off of a fifth of something just to get through, you know, the the morning hangover or it, it's more like, oh, hey, we're having social time. Let's have a drink. Oh, you had a really crappy day? Have a drink. Oh, you had a really awesome day and something great happened? Hey, let's celebrate with a drink. And so it's the answer to everything. And you try to go out and socialize without drinking. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, what do I do? It was so easy to be like, well, I'm still going to work. I'm still holding up all my responsibilities. I'm still getting through every day. It must not be that bad and i think we get trapped in this cycle of it must not be that bad because one we we don't want to admit that it's a big problem and that it's causing us a lot of harm physically mentally and emotionally but as long as there's somebody else who we can think of who drinks more than us then we have this state of 100% well it must not yeah. be that bad it's so easy to justify when there's somebody doing
1: it better or worse however you want to look at you know drinking <laughs> better or
0: worse right
1: (laughs) everything you do at this point before you before sobriety is it's alcohol and everything all the time and and I know there are so many people who will hear that and go oh my god that's totally my life and then if you say to that person okay so what does life look like without alcohol it's like panic stations and so much fear and anxiety centered around like How could I ever socialize again? How could I ever go to my friend's 30th birthday party? How could I ever get through a bad day? So what did that look like for you?
0: For me, I I kind of, I dropped one vice to pick up another, you know, I work in the well-being space. And so one, I felt like a huge hypocrite and um, really just a fake. And so Um, I had imposter syndrome just to the max through this whole thing. So it felt kind of like a relief when I let it go. But then when I wasn't, because at that point it was a habit, right? It's kind of like some people with their morning coffee and trying to give up caffeine. It's like that cup of coffee is part of their routine and and that's hard to give up. Um, For me, it was that I was always used to having some sort of drink with me. And so when I stopped drinking beer, I started drinking a lot more soda. And so... Um, you know, when I was with my family, or with friends, and we would go out, I would do soda instead, which, you know, to be honest, it kind of made me feel like the little kid at the big kid's table. Um, But it was what I had at the time, and it kept me from having alcohol. So it it served its purpose in that way. Uh, To be honest, it's something that I'm still trying to wean off of, because Mm -hmm. you get comfortable with things like that. And it doesn't seem to matter. It's like, oh, this makes me feel like crap, but I'm going to mm-hmm. keep drinking it because it's, you know, it, why we do these things. I, it just, anyway. Um, but honestly, one of the things that really kind of helped me, and I know that people are kind of mixed on this, um, but I started drinking non-alcoholic beer when I was out socializing or when it, because some of it was that I really did enjoy mm-hmm. the taste of beer and still do, I just, I don't need the alcohol with it. And I'm much happier without the alcohol with it. But it made me feel a little bit more comfortable in the setting. And I could handle that because I'd been, you know, going through this whole sober journey while everyone around me still drank. So I always say to people, you know, your sobriety is your journey. And so you
1: have to do what works for you. So for some people, zeros are fantastic. And for other people, they are a disaster. And so I'm like, if it's fantastic for you, go have right. zeros, you know, go sit in the park and have a zero with your friend. That's great. If it's not a thing for you, then absolutely stick to soda water. And if then soda water is not a thing for you, I'm not really sure what you do, but I think most people can like get by on a soda water with some fresh lime yeah. or lemon juice. I don't know. Did you tell friends, family, who, who are your, I guess, your supporters during that that really crucial time where you venture out into an alcohol-free living existence
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, you know I ha- had obviously told my dad and my stepmom I was living on the property with them and so you know they were around every day and once I told them and they were supportive, it just we didn't talk about it anymore. And I had uh, two or three friends who I had told because they, knew that this was important to me. And I had one in particular, you know, this was actually the second time that, you know, this is my second time being sober. And the first time when I had um, been in a situation where I just, I couldn't do it. And I I started drinking again. I had one friend who was, you know, Mm. kind of in my ear the whole time. And, uh, you know, so that person in particular was really, really supportive this whole time. But for the most part, no one talked about it and i think that and not to say that we needed to have these big long conversations but it wasn't even oh hey how are things going with sobriety and all those things it was just oh that's that's awesome good for you like and and then it was just it, it never came up and i think it's because it makes people uncomfortable yeah. when they drink a lot and to each their own everyone has their own journey and that's totally fine yeah, it is a really, because again, <laughs> everyone's got their
1: own journey to living alcohol-free. You know, do do you put it up on Instagram and tell the whole world? Like I kind of kept really quiet about my journey. And, I, and then after I'd been sober for 12 months, kind of wrote a blog about the last 12 months of, you know, being sober. And there's no right or wrong. And the reason why I want to have these conversations and I unpack all of these different avenues is so that something can resonate with someone. Because... I truly believe that when you have your last drink, you, you open yourself up to a life that you can't even
0: imagine until you have your last drink, but you've got to have the last drink. The thing about quitting drinking was that suddenly I had to sit with all of the feelings, all of the emotions, and there were a lot. I was going through a divorce. I didn't have a place of my own. And so now I am in a place where it's me and my dog, and we have a nice little home. And I I have a job that I feel good about. And I'm on this, you know, new career journey that I think, if I had still been drinking, I would be so focused on that, that I wouldn't have the, the clarity or um, the conviction or the determination or any of those things to take on what I'm trying to do with, you know, my professional life, because the alcohol just, it it clouds your, your judgment and your feelings so much. And what I'm doing, I have, like, I'm a person who has always kind of been ruled by fear anyway, fear of, like, failure, or what if I'm not good enough, or, you know, somebody finds out that I am this big imposter, like, there's just so much of those feelings going along. But, if I was still drinking while going through that, hmm. those fears would win. And so I feel like by not having that as an influence in my life, I am in a state of mind where it's like, no, look, Sabrina, you've been through all of these really challenging things and look where you are. You wake up every morning with a clear head, feeling most of the time like, let's let's be honest, if I drank more water, I would feel even better, but <laughs> I wake up mostly feeling pretty good, right? And, you know, I'm the kind of person where my, my brain fires up first thing in the morning and I'm I'm up and running. And when I was drinking all the time, you know, I was always trying to get in as much as I could before I went to bed at night. And so in the morning, I certainly wasn't feeling well. Like I, I wouldn't say that You know, hangovers were a really big problem, but you really realize just how much it bogs you down. Because it's so normalized and we carry on and we're, you know,
1: for some of us, we're very high functioning. We have jobs and families and we're doing all of this stuff and we're still just like downing wine all the time. I kind of um, liken it to it's like a jet plane with two engines and only one of them is working and it's still flying in the air. It's not crashing to the ground at all. Um, it's still making good time it's still at a really good altitude but you fire up that second engine and it's like holy crap how are we even surviving on the one and that's I think um, pretty early on in my sobriety journey I found this I realized I was I was like living at about 70% capacity like oh I was doing a lot I was successful and ticking boxes but it was only 70% of of, of me, my clarity, my creativity, my productivity. And once I took alcohol out of the equation, I was like, I'm probably like, I'm probably running at a 90%. I don't want to say it's a hundred cause I don't want to get to hundred cause I'll be burnt out, but I've got, you know, and, and you don't, you can't realize that until like, until you kind of eradicate alcohol out of the equation. So for you, Sabrina, was there like an overarching fear going into sobriety?
0: You know, the biggest fear, and it's so funny thinking back on now, the biggest fear I had was I don't want to feel all of these feelings. I don't want to have to sit in the reality of what they are. Like I was actually just sort of afraid of myself in that sense because I was like, I just want to drink and numb out. I'm going through all these things. I just want to be numb. I don't want to feel anything. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, Sabrina, that was really dumb because you made yourself feel everything even more and in like this exaggerated way. And then you weren't able to actually deal with any of it. So it's not like it even helped you at all to feel all of it on, you know, the umpteenth degree. So, um, but that was my fear. Like, I didn't want... I didn't want to be sitting with my feelings all the time because it was hard. It was painful. And I wanted to say props to you too for
1: navigating a divorce sober. That is so amazing because I feel like my divorce like spiraled me (laughs) into more alcohol dependency (laughs) for the same reason that I, I was like feelings of abandonment. Let's, push all of that down and feeling of I failed like mm-hmm. let's not feel that today that's not good but what I realized is that feelings or not like alcohol really doesn't change your circumstances so like you go through a divorce drinking your way through it doesn't undo the fact that you're getting divorced it just makes it like a bit probably gnarlier to navigate and so but that's for anything that's right like, good day doesn't get any better if you start drinking to celebrate it. Just like a bad day doesn't necessarily get worse. It's still just a good or a bad day or a friend's birthday or a baby shower or a wedding or a whatever. And I, what I found is like I thought that alcohol added to my circumstances, but it it doesn't. The circumstances remain the circumstances and you just float between like regular version of yourself and then like crazy drunk version of yourself. And then maybe super sad, hungover version of yourself. But, Absolutely. The, but the events in life are, are still there. And I think that's a really big paradigm shift that w- when you're drinking is, I think, hard to, to mitigate because you're like, but the alcohol makes it more this and it do- actually doesn't. That's again, one of those kind of dirty little lies. So yeah, a hu- like huge props to you for navigating a divorce, and sobriety at around the same time is, is really incredible and I'm sure really helpful for some people who may be going through relationship stuff. When it comes to advice, it's I ask of you, is there like one thing that you can offer to people who
0: are sober curious, who are like, I think I might want to have my last drink for a little bit? For me, I am very, very motivated by keeping count. Like for having... Um, like, let's see how long I can do this. And so first it was like, I need to get to a week, seven days. And so, you know, check them off once, you know, and I called it, you know, liberation day one, uh, and then liberation day two, like I was freeing myself from, you know, this, this hold, this grip that alcohol had over me. And so once I hit a week, it was actually day eight. You know, you had mentioned like, some people will post on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Day eight, I actually did post my sober journey on my uh, Instagram feed and said, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I haven't been proud of who I am. And, you know, this is what it is. And I actually had a, a friend of mine reach out after and say, Hey, you know, this really inspired me and I made it nine days before I started drinking again, but it like really got me thinking about it. And I said, that's great. Like you don't have to be perfect, but for me, like starting that tally, okay, I got to a week, can I get to a month? And I got to a month and self-awareness is key. Like it's so important to know what makes you tick?
1: What's going to keep you going on on the journey? And, and it's interesting how, so like sobriety after 12 months for you. So I, I've moved around a lot with my career, like different cities, new jobs, all the rest. And I've always said, I'm like, it takes 12 months to settle into a new city, regardless of how social you are, how extroverted you are, um, or how popular you are it's 12 months of your life. You have to do every single season in that city for it to start to feel a little bit like home. And I kind of looked at my sobriety journey as that. I'm like, let's sit in this skin for 12 months. Let's do every season. Let's do summertime. Let's do... You know, we call it autumn here. Uh let let's sit in our pajamas with hot water bottles in winter and, and let's, you know, go for a walk through the the nature scapes in spring. And and when you've done every season, you know you can now navigate each season in in this new skin, if you will.
0: And I think the only other thing that I would add is there's no such thing as a good time. It's kind of like they say about having kids, right? You're never really ready. You're never really prepared, right? It's the same thing. Like if you wait and it's like, oh, well, the holiday season is coming up. This is a terrible time to quit. There's always going to be something like that. And so it's just like, take the leap. You're going to be fine. For all of the fears that people have, for all
1: of you know, the backlash, for all of the hard conversations in the mirror, the tears, the pain, we've sat with it. We, we felt the feelings. You still feel the feelings, but it is just so worth having your last drink.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this and all that you're doing. I think it's going to be such a huge, huge help for people.
1: Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast.
0: If you love this podcast,
1: then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at lastdrinkspod.